What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Specifically, go ahead and check out Ethos Fantasy BB. That is where all of our new baseball content is released from over on Twitter, of course. You can get it at the source at sportsethos.com if you search the web. But if you're somebody who spends a lot of time on Twitter and you'd like to have some of our baseball content in your feed, go ahead and follow Ethos Fantasy BB. I'm going to have my catcher rankings up on the website by the weekend. At the very latest, I'm going to try and get them out before the end of the week. But I think... I'll give myself that extra buffer, and I'll say they'll be out by the weekend. They'll be up on the website. We're going to be going through, I I believe I'm going to go to 25. I'm still debating if I'm going to go to 30 catchers deep or not. Still still something I'm tossing around with a little bit because I'm not sure if those last five guys are really going to be that important, depending on your league size. I mean, in deeper leagues, maybe they will be. We're still debating that, but one way or the other, we're going to have those catcher rankings with some different write-ups up on the website by the weekend. So make sure you go check out sportsethos.com and follow Ethos Fantasy BB on Twitter. Now, this is going to be a short episode. This may actually be the shortest episode that we are going to do of the entire podcast in its entire history. I'd have to go back and check on our shortest. Uh, I'm a little pressed for time today. I was planning on doing a relief pitcher review, and then there was some stuff that came up in my own life. That's what happens when you're doing these kind of things. Life does happen to get in the way. Uh, This is not, you know, a 9 to 5 for me. This is something that I try and fit in on the side, of course. You guys know that. Uh, So life got a little bit busy today, which does happen from time to time. So we're going to just do a bit of a shorter show. But it's okay because we got a fairly interesting topic here. It's going to be one of our two main topics. It's going to be two players we are going to discuss, two recent signings. And the first one is very, very interesting. I was not expecting this. This was something that I was you know, forecasting against for most of the offseason. Rafael Devers and the Boston Red Sox come to an agreement. They finally got their union completed 11 years, $331 million. Pretty fair deal, I think, overall. I mean, it's hard to really say how these deals are going to look in 5, 7, 10 years. But at least they're not getting him until he's in his 40s. This deal runs through 2034, which is another 11 years from now. He'll be 37 years old by the time this deal is done. So uh, there is that, right? He could potentially, you know, as the years go by, shift into more of like a DH first base type and then you know it wouldn't really be so bad there if that's what you're if that's what you're looking at it from that standpoint if you're talking about some of these shortstop deals we saw earlier in the offseason Bogarts and Turner and these guys are going and probably Correa as well when and if that eventually gets done these guys are going to be signed into their 40s it's not a position where you tend to see players go to DH from as often from shortstop from the middle infield So I think on that level, uh, in terms of the term of the contract, I think it's very good. You're not you're not paying so much like you like we could have easily seen a 15 year deal for him, and I don't think people would have been very surprised by it. I think this is a good term. I think it's fair dollar value, about 30 million dollars a season. You know, maybe he could have got more on the open market. This is something we've talked about a lot on this show: is players going for longer term and smaller average annual value. Whereas when I was growing up, it seemed to be the hot thing to, you know, go for those shorter two, three-year deals for $100 million. Maybe not quite that lucrative when I was younger, but, you know, in my teen years, in my younger years of watching baseball, uh, that's typically what happened. Players would try and bank those massive contracts, two years, three years, for massive money, and now it's just trying to make sure that they are still baseball players into their later years, later 30s, early 40s. 
it's kind of strange that I mean, I think thirty million does fit, but I also think that it wouldn't have shocked me if he got a lot more on the open market for a shorter term. If he'd signed a five-year deal worth, you know, two hundred plus million dollars, I wouldn't have been that surprised by it, and I don't think a lot of people really would have been. This is what the Red Sox needed to do, right? We've talked about how they have bungled their offseason. They have been, uh, they've been a joke around baseball, really. Nothing really positive that you can draw from it. Sure, they got Yoshida and they got Kenley Jansen, but at the end of the day, I mean, Kenley Jansen, you're signing a 35 year old closer who's who's a good closer still, you know, arguably a great closer, but that doesn't really matter when you're losing a franchise icon like Xander Bogarts. You know, these replacements that they had made up to this point of the offseason were very disappointing. And we're gonna we're gonna do our team preview shows. Which, you know, this is my first year in the industry. I figured, you know, no one's going to do this. I'm going to bring on a guest from, you know, one one person from every city around baseball. It turns out that's something that people have already been doing for a long time. And I actually got asked to do one of those myself for the Blue Jays later this month. So there's going to be a lot of people doing those kind of things. We are going to do Red Sox preview shows. We're going to talk to Adam Howe or Eric Cross, potentially. Maybe both of them. I'm going to try to talk to some Boston people and see what they think from an insider's point of view. But from an outsider's point of view... This has been a horribly disappointing offseason for the Red Sox, and this is kind of their saving grace. If they had let Devers go, if they if Devers had demanded a trade and they got nothing for him or they got, you know, prospects or whatever, depending on the package, maybe it would have been great, maybe not. But even if they traded him for a great package of prospects, I think that the fan base would have been really, really over it, really through with this current regime of Bloom and this current ownership group. But the fact that they brought Devers back, I think it was bought themselves some goodwill with the, with the fan base. I've seen people, just in the last hour or so since the deal was announced, people are very happy, and understandably so. Rafael Devers is a fantastic baseball player. He is a generational talent at third base, despite the fact that I have kind of poo-pooed him a little bit this past uh, offseason on the pod, just in terms of his draft price for next season. I still think that he is a great player. I think he's maybe a touch expensive, and we're, we're pushing him up the board because he's third base. That being said, uh, I, I still think that he is he's a great player. He's a great fantasy player. Uh, there was just some nerves that I had regarding him going in the second round. And that's where he's going, to pick 19, uh, to transfer this more to fantasy, as a, or, uh, yeah, to transfer more to fantasy, uh, as opposed to a real-life baseball conversation. I like him a lot at pick 19, but do I like him more than Austin Riley a couple picks later? I don't know that I do. You know, do I want to take Rafael Devers in the second round or do I want to take Nolan Arenado in the fourth? I think I want to take Nolan Arenado in the fourth there if you look at team context and the actual production of the players these last couple of seasons. Now, Devers is coming off a bit of a down year, but we've talked about this a lot on the pod and I don't want to do too much retread. But the team around him has really been depleted and we've seen those counting stats go from well over 100 runs and RBIs in his last two full seasons, because you throw away 2020. If you go back to 2019, it's 129 and 115 for his runs and RBIs. Then it was 101 and 113. This year, granted, he played 141 games as opposed to 156, but he left 17 runs and 25 RBIs on the table, and it's hard not to look at that as a factor when you're drafting him, especially because the pick is so high up. This team around him is not that great. You know, there was an article from Kenny Bowtie. I think he wrote it. He shared it out anyway. Uh, Ken Rosenthal talking about how the Red Sox need to be feared again because there's like nothing changed from their roster from yesterday to today. There's nothing to fear about this team. 
you know, Yoshida might be very good. He might come over and struggle mightily. We don't know what to expect from him. Trevor Story, you know, maybe he has a nice full bounce back year. He had, it wasn't a terrible end of season line for him, 16 homers and 13 steals. But a lot of his production came during like a two-week hot streak and the rest of the year he was hot trash. Raphael Devers, he's great. But, uh, you know, aside from him, there's nobody here that I really have that much confidence in. I've talked about Alex Verdugo at Price being a good pick. Okay, sure, that's fine. But that doesn't mean I'm going to be wanting to draft Devers because of him being, you know, a couple spots behind him or ahead of him or wherever they end up slotting that lineup in. I think that the team around him is going to play a big factor in his value because we already saw it do that last season. Worst team that he's had in several years there, worst statistical season that he has had. Now, granted, his batting average was a few points higher than the year before, but we left a lot of homers, we left a lot of runs, we left a lot of RBIs on the table for Devers. And I do think that even though him going back to Boston is good overall, I think, because going to a new team, you never really know what the expectation is. Maybe there's some team that has a, you know, a very healthy system that can put together a nice package for Devers. He comes over, but now he's on... You know, he's on the Pirates, or not the Pirates specifically, but he's on Oakland, he's on Detroit, he's on some terrible team. It's not it's not that grave of a situation, for sure. There's still going to be a ton of fantasy value from Devers. If he was a top 10 player by the end of next season, I wouldn't be overall shocked by it. I'm not expecting it, but it wouldn't shock me because that's within his range of outcomes. I'm just not paying that particular premium for him this year because I just don't really trust the team around him. I don't think that there is enough there to guarantee that you're going to get close to 100 runs and 100 RBIs. I think it'll be generally pretty close, but it might be the same thing as this year where it was 84 runs, 88 RBIs, and 27 homers, which is very good, but, you know... It's not what I'm going to be paying for in the second round, given my way. So, I, you know, this signing is good for Boston. It's good for baseball. Players should retain their players that – or team, teams should retain their players that come up with their organization, I think, as much as possible. Uh, when players start moving around to seven different organizations, even though I don't like Boston, I still feel this way. When players start moving around to different organizations all every year, then, I don't know, I feel like there's some disconnect with the fans of the sport. You know, I grew up – in the era, specifically watching hockey in Canada, I'm seeing a lot of great players spend their entire careers with one team. And you're even seeing it now with players like Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin. I know people, a lot of people are not hockey fans who likely listen to the show, but you guys know who Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby are. They spent their entire career with one team, and that's definitely added to their legacies. You know, not that it took away from guys like Wayne Gretzky back in the day, but. It's something on the real baseball side that I think does matter for the game, for the fans of specific cities. Even though Boston, you know, I'm, I'm no Boston sports fan. They've got enough championships. But it's good to see talent remaining where it was where it was drafted, where it was brought up. So Devers here, uh, I'm happy overall as a baseball fan that he is in Boston, even though it's probably not going to be great for my Toronto Blue Jays in the long run having him in the division. But I think that that gets mitigated a bit by the fact that we won't have to face him quite as much going forward. One more signing we are going to talk about today, because like I mentioned, this one is going to have to be a relatively quick podcast. We'll get back to the relief pitcher reviews tomorrow. But this is the other name that was, you know, that was talked about a lot today. He signed somewhere, and I figured it made a lot of sense to actually talk about him. Eric Hosmer. Now, obviously, nowhere near as exciting as Rafael Devers in terms of a fantasy player, but it's the news of the day, and we're going to talk about it briefly. Eric Hosmer, man, nobody wants him. I think Eric Cross tweeted out earlier that, you know, everybody, every team can agree that nobody wants Eric Hosmer, 
on their roster. Every every fan base can agree on that, except I suppose for the Cubs uh, front office. So get this: he's still owed thirty nine million dollars over the next three years from San Diego. I don't think Boston owes him any money. I don't believe Boston owes him any money. Uh, but yeah, I think it's all coming from San Diego. But he signed here with the Chicago Cubs for a one-year deal. Now, I've heard a lot of people worry about Matt Mervis. That is the main concern here. People don't really care about Eric Hosmer, where he's going. <clears throat> it's very secondary uh, as opposed to what the, what the situation now is going to be with Matt Mervis. According to Roster Resource, they have both of them in the starting lineup. And <clears throat> we're still a long ways away from opening day. But as of right now, they got Eric Hosmer slotted in the fifth hole, and they got Matt Mervis in the eighth hole. And, you know, looking at this lineup, it's definitely not as bad as it once was. Like heading into the season, heading into the offseason, I should say, it looked a lot worse. You know, losing uh, Contreras and bringing in Tucker Barnhart is obviously not a great swap there. But they've also brought in Dansby Swanson. They brought in Cody Bellinger. Hosmer is an interesting case because he is potentially, you know, he could be a decent little steal there for them. And I say that not from a fantasy point of view. <clears throat> I say that from a real-life baseball point of view. I think that he could be somebody who just provides a little bit of veteran leadership there on that team. we got a very young team here. I mean, every member of the batting order is under 30 years old. Uh, a lot of guys... I mean, the rotation is actually fairly old now that I, now that I look at it. But every, most of the members of that lineup, you got Herner is 25, Herner's 25, Horner, Herner, however you want to pronounce it, is 25, Swanson 28, Hap 28, Suzuki 28, Bellinger's 27, Morell's 23, Matt Mervis is 24. It's still a fairly young team. I think that this is more so veteran leadership on the bench in the dugout as opposed to somebody that they're going to be counting on so much on the field. I know that we can't really count on him so much for fantasy. I'm going to take a look at his ADP right now. In So let's go to more recent drafts because I want to get a better sample size here. Let's go from December onwards, Eric Hosmer... And where do they even have him grouped? Oh, he's already been moved into the Chicago uh, Cubs section on the NFBC site. Those guys are quick. Uh, so Eric Hosmer's ADP is 565 as of right now. That's based on 14 drafts that have taken place since December 1st. Matt Mervis is going at pick 259. It's really tough to know what to do with Matt Mervis because there's been a lot of inflation based on his play in Arizona in his price. Like his price has gone... I, I let me just I'm having a little bit of freezing trouble with the computer here, but let's see the minimum pick. Two oh five is his minimum pick over in these last so many drafts, fourteen drafts uh, overall. Actually, I thought he had gone inside the top two hundred and one draft, but apparently that is the min pick of any DC for Matt Mervis. Two oh five. Regardless, that's already really high. And if anything, that this Eric Hosmer signing might just bring that down to earth a little bit. You know, his ADP is two seventy nine. It still feels not right in some way. Like we don't know if he's even going to be playing even without without the Hosmer factor. You know, there's a chance that Mervis isn't somebody that they're ready to turn the reins over to yet. Maybe that's partially why they brought in Eric Hosmer. But let's say they didn't bring in Eric Hosmer. There is still a chance that we would have seen Mervis not start the year in the starting lineup that he would have been on the bench. I don't even think he is on the 40-man roster right now. We don't know exactly what their plan is going to be. So uh, I'm, I'm really not in on him at the price. Now, with this Hosmer signing, what it might do is bring the Matt Mervis price down a little bit, push him closer to the 300 range, maybe even a little bit beyond that, because people will be worried about 
paying up for somebody who might not have that job. And I think it's a realistic concern. As of right now, they have Mervis slotted in in the DH spot over on roster resource, and they got Hosmer as the first baseman. I really don't know what to expect going forward here. It's an interesting situation to monitor. Now, I wouldn't be overly anxious to draft either of them, really. I think if you're getting down to the end of your draft and Hosmer's there, you need another first baseman. It doesn't hurt. Like He's not somebody that I'd stay away from, but you have to be looking realistically at what he's going to give you. It's not going to be more than 10, 15 home runs maybe with very mediocre runs and RBIs, likely no steals. You might get you know, one or two kind of thing and pretty decent batting average considering, you know, more of a power, more of a power hitter. He gives you a pretty decent batting average, 277 for his career. So there is something to be said about having that kind of little bit of a boost, a little bit of insurance policy at first base later on in your drafts. But neither one of these guys I'm going to be that interested in really. Mervis, if the price goes down a little bit more so than sure. But as of right now, he is also in that range that I've talked about a lot here. It seems like I've been talking about it every day on the show recently of like last pick in your home league territory. And, you know, I don't mind taking him with your last pick, second last pick in your 12-team drafts. See if he gets the job. We'll probably know by the time those drafts are taking place. We'll see what's going on in spring training. And we'll see if Matt Mervis is getting most of the reps at first base or if it's Hosmer or if Mervis is even up at the, with the big league club. It's just right now there are too many unknowns for me to like him at this price. But that is going to do it for me, guys. I told you it would be a shorter show today. Not too bad. We still went close to 20 minutes here. Uh, the Devers part of it does take up the majority of the conversation. It is a huge deal, Rafael Devers being locked up for that long. I was expecting him to get traded at some point. That's definitely not what I was thinking we were going to see happen with him. But guys, uh, I really appreciate you continuing to tune in. Tomorrow, we will do the last Relief Pitcher Review Show. And then Friday, we're going to take a look at my catcher rankings. That's what we're going to do for the rest of the week here. That plan is set in stone. I know sometimes we do change here and there. I mean, unless Shohei Otani gets traded tomorrow, we're not going to be talking about anything other than Relief Pitcher Review. So guys, uh, I really appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Go check us out over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. At Ethos Fantasy BB. Those are the two accounts to follow. Rate and review the show on the way out. Let us know what you think. Five stars would be preferable, of course, if you guys think we have earned that from you today. We'll see you again tomorrow, guys. Take care and enjoy your evening. Cheers. Cheers.